Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. I ask this morning that you would refresh us in your word. I ask this morning that you would refresh our thinking, refresh our hearts, refresh our lives with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Bus driver, move that bus. Anybody ever seen that television show? Bus driver, move that bus. Extreme home makeover. You get to the end, they've finished up this brand new house, they park the bus in front, the family gathers around, the crowd gathers around, everybody wants to see what? The transformed house. And if you've ever seen one of these shows, you've seen that the family that gets this transformed house needs the house. Usually they have something going on medically or some circumstance in their life that caused a hardship, and so this group steps in and they transform their property with basically a brand new house. The reality is that everybody here today and everybody around the world needs a move-that-bus moment. Everybody in the world needs a moment of transformation. Many months ago, I received a phone call and was asked to come to a local hotel in Sioux Falls. I went over to the local hotel and walked in and they asked, there's a man that I should meet with, went in and met, met with a man, an older man in his 45 to 55 at least. This man looked at me and he says to me, what's going on? This man looks at me and he says, Reverend, I'm not very churchy. I said, that's all right, let's talk. Sit down and I say, well, what are you doing at a hotel? I've been here for about two weeks, he says. And I say, that's tough, you lose your job, without a house, what's, nope, just difficulties with my son, and the bottle has me. Go on to talk a little bit longer, and I said, well, why don't you, why don't you go back home? He says, I can't go back into that house. Dig a little bit deeper, why can't you go back into that house? Well, that's where my son committed suicide. Talked a little bit longer, come and find out. This man's got a master's degree. This man is a financial planner. This man from the outside has it all together, but he has spent two weeks in a hotel room in Sioux Falls. I did not see one change of clothes anywhere in the hotel room. All I saw were bottles. This man did not live in northern Sioux Falls. This man lived in southwestern Sioux Falls. You'd never know it by looking at him. You'd never know it by looking at his degrees. But this man was hopeless. 
This man needed a move that bus moment. This man needed transformation. This morning, when all of us examine our own hearts, when we examine our own homes, when we examine our own neighborhoods, when we examine our own cities, everybody here knows that we are in need of a move your bus moment. Because we know people are in need of transformation. People are in need of hope. The good news today is that Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, is in the business of transformation. That Jesus himself came to do one thing. And we heard that reason this morning in Luke chapter 5. He says, I came to call the sinners to repent. He came to heal the broken. He says, the sick need a hospital. And he came to be that hospital. Everybody needs a move that bus moment. And the good news this morning is that God has broke into this world at the cross of Jesus Christ and has created that move that bus moment. And the good news this morning is that Jesus is on a mission to bring transformation to hurting people. Hurting people who have master's degrees and are addicted to the bottle. Hurting people that have no home and simply addicted to something else. Jesus is in the business of bringing salvation to you and I, to our neighbors, and to anyone who will receive Jesus by faith. Jesus is in the transformation business. The question for you and I this morning as followers of Jesus, will we be in the same business that Jesus is in? Will we be about the same things that Jesus is about? The message this morning is pretty simple. You and I need to be like Levi in the story of Luke chapter 5. You and I need to be like Levi. Why do we need to be like Levi? Someone who we've never met. Someone who most of us probably can't even relate to. We need to be like Levi because of what Jesus says to Levi. And what Jesus says to Levi is, I have come to save sinners. Because Jesus saves Levi, and Jesus says that's what he came to do, now you and I must ask ourselves, are we like Levi? Will we be like Levi? I mean, why did Jesus leave the comfort of heaven? I mean, we just gloss over this all the time because we make all of this stuff out to be so pretty. All of our churches are decorated so nice at Christmas time and and Easter, everybody's dressed up in their best with nice lilies and all the churches got nice stained glass windows. The reality is this, Jesus is anything but pretty. Jesus left pretty. Jesus left comfort. He was sitting in the middle of gold. He was sitting in the greatest place ever, the right hand of the Father in heaven. Why would you leave that comfort? Why would he come and be born in a manger? Why would Jesus come and undergo punishment at the cross, punishment that we can't even describe really or even understand in our cultural context? Why? Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 5 when he says to Levi, the reason he did all of that? To save sinners. Why does Jesus leave the comfort of heaven? So that he can transform people's lives. So that he can save 
people. The question for us this morning, are we in the same business as Jesus? And we're in the same business when we model our lives after Levi. And if we're going to model our lives after Levi, there are two ways in which we do that. The first way we model our lives after Levi is this, is that we have to know Jesus and understand our salvation. You might say, well, that's an obvious point. Obviously, you have to know Jesus if you're going to be with Jesus. It's obvious to the point where it's many times missed. If we're going to be like Levi, the very first thing we must do is understand that we ourselves need saving. There's other people that are interacting with Jesus here, and those other people are religious people. They are people like you and I that have probably grown up in a religious situation their whole lives. They know the Bible really well. And these other people are missing the point. They do not know Jesus. They do not understand their need for salvation. Levi understood his need for a Savior. This morning, do you understand your need for a Savior? Have you ever taken a few moments and just asked yourself, what would life be like without Jesus? What would life be like without Jesus? Let me tell you what the Bible says life would be like without Jesus. Your life would be one of condemnation, which means you stand guilty before God. The Bible tells us those outside of Christ are walking in death. In other words, you would have no eternal life and you'd have no quality of life today. Have you ever considered life outside of Jesus? When you consider life outside of Jesus, you begin to realize very quickly what Jesus has done on your behalf. And you begin to treasure Jesus even more because you realize that outside of Christ, you face one verdict, guilty, punishment. But those who are in Christ are forgiven. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Do you know your need for a Savior? This morning, there's a lot of smart people here. This morning, there's a lot of people that have done very well in the business world. Many of you have raised a very nice family. But with all of the smarts, with all of the money, do you realize that you still have one major problem? You can't conquer your worst enemy. Death. You may be able to put it off. And thankfully, we got great health places here in Sioux Falls. We're right next door to one, right? And thankfully to this health situation, we're able to prolong and enjoy life. But the reality of this is this. Neither of these institutions has found a way to conquer our greatest enemy. No one has outside of Jesus. This morning, when we consider our greatest enemy death, we have no choice but to turn and say, I need a Savior. Are you like Levi? Do you realize your need this morning for a Savior? Levi realized his need for a Savior, and he turned to Jesus, and he followed Jesus. This morning, 
we would do well to be like Levi, to know our need and to follow Jesus. But the second thing of what it means to be like Levi is maybe the greatest stretch for the majority of us this morning, and that's this. We need to be party people. Now, some of you have a terribly wrong image in your mind when I said that. We need to be party people. Look at Levi. What does Levi do? Levi throws a party. Christians are sometimes the just worst people to be around. We should be the best people to be around. We've got the most to celebrate. We should be having party after party. And I'm not talking about a party that glorifies the flesh, but rather a party that glorifies the Creator because we're enjoying life as a gift. What does Levi do? Levi knows his need for a Savior. He comes to Jesus, and then what? He throws a party because he wants his other people to know Jesus. When something good happens to you, what do you do? You share it. In every area of our lives, we do this. You write restaurant reviews. You tell people about your favorite vacation spots. You refer people to your favorite car salesperson. We always tell people when something good happens to us. We share it. We extend an invitation. This morning, we got to become party people. And I'm not talking church potlucks. We don't need any more church potlucks. We don't need to get together anymore in this building. We need to have party in our homes. We need to have parties at C.J. Calloway's. We need to have parties at the Pizza Inn. We need to be party people because we want to be with people. How often are you with people this morning? We need to become people people because Jesus is in the people business. The phone call that I get most often as a pastor is the old, hey, would you be interested in marrying us? Most of the time, uh, sorry, no. And that's the reality of the situation. Sometimes we get into the conversation a little bit more. A while back, got a phone call from an individual said, hey, looking for someone to marry us. I said, all right, tell me the situation. Where are you from? What do you do? Live here in, individual lives here in Sioux Falls, has lived here for seven years, works at a local financial institution. I said, well, tell me about um, your fiancé. How did you come to hear about me first? And then also, uh, what's your church connections? Well, my wife was baptized in a Lutheran church near Rapid City, and that Lutheran church is where her parents go, and her parents are now part of this LCMC thing, and so they recommended Googling that on the Internet and see if we could find someone in the area. You came up closest in the area. So I think, okay, we've got a connection here. It's a wild connection, but it's a connection. So I say to the individual, I said, do you know any, if any of your friends go to church here in Sioux Falls? Dead silence. Nothing. I said, well, you've been here for seven years. Have you ever been invited to a local church here in Sioux Falls? Nope. I said, do you have anybody, a relative in Sioux Falls, anyone that, that would go to a church somewhere? I, I don't know. This person has been in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for seven years working at a local financial institution in a city with over 200 churches. Not once has been invited to church. Does anyone else see a problem 
with that picture? They're all around us. People who have never received an invitation. If we're going to be about what Jesus is about, we have to become people who are inviters. And I'm not talking this morning about inviting the King of Glory. That's obvious if that opportunity comes. It's not invite the King of Glory, it's invite to know the King of Glory. We need to start with the invitation to Jesus. We need to focus the conversation around Jesus. People are not looking for a church to come to. So don't start the conversation there because they're not looking to go there. We need to start the conversation around life issues and trying to bring it back to Jesus. This morning, are we like Levi in throwing parties so we have the opportunity to interact with people, so we have the opportunity to invite a person to know Jesus? If we're going to be in the business that Jesus is in, first and foremost, we have to know and recognize our need for a Savior. Not only that, but we also have to become party people because we have to become inviters to Jesus. Now, for some of you this morning, you're like, oh man, I am not an extrovert. I am not a people person at all. You know what? There's other people out there that are not extroverts as well that need to be approached by someone that's just like them. I'm actually not an extrovert. You know, I'm going to spend some time with you, but then I need to get away from you so I can get re-energized. I, I do not get energized spending time with you people. But we have to put ourselves, what? Out there. We have to put ourselves with people for the opportunity, and God will use your unique characteristics, your unique connections with people, and your unique qualities for opportunities to make invitations to Jesus. This morning, will we be like Levi? Will we know our need for a Savior, and will we be party people? This morning, i got to believe that if I asked everyone to sign a, a commitment card this morning, that there would be a hearty yes, right? All of us at some point have gotten really excited, and we've given a hearty yes. That's right, we're going ahead. I'm making a commitment today. <laughs> the problem is we make those commitments, and then what happens? We get distracted really easily. My little daughter really likes to help around the house. And the other day, I was doing some dishes. Help, help, can I help, can I help? And so now she's wearing this little crown around the house lately. For some reason, she likes to be in charge. I don't know where she gets that from, but wants this crown. So she comes over to help start unloading the dishwasher. As she starts to help with the dishes, the crown falls off. And when the crown falls off, there's this little purple jewel in the center of the crown that then pops out of the crown. There was no more help to be given. All focus turned to the crown and the jewel that popped out of the crown. And I was left unloading the dishwasher alone. Distracted very easily. This morning, you and I are distracted very easily. Sometimes not even by bad things, but distracted by good things that become the main thing. This morning, the question is, will we get distracted by the crowns and the jewels on the crown? Or will we stay focused 
on the main goal of finding people who do not know God and connecting with them and blessing them. That is the main thing for us as followers of Jesus because that is the main thing for Jesus himself. And for some of you this morning, you're saying, oh, pastor, I'm, I'm just trying to pay the mortgage. Right? And let's be honest. This is where some of you are at this morning. Pastor, I'm trying to pay the mortgage and I'm trying to keep my kid out of jail. Or pastor, I'm just trying to get my kid from one soccer match to the other. Or pastor, I'm just trying to get ready for retirement so my wife and I can retire at a decent age. And, and that's where your total focus is. So pastor, give me some practical help with that. The only practical help I can offer this morning with that is this. You need Jesus. Because when you get Jesus, all of that other stuff falls into place. Because when you have Jesus, what does money become? Money. What it was created to be. When you have Jesus, what does sports become? Activity. What it was meant to be. When you have Jesus, what does work become? Work, like it was meant to be. When you don't have Jesus, what is money? God. When you don't have Jesus, what is sports? Your purpose, your joy, and your confidence. When you don't have Jesus, what is work? Your life. But when you have Jesus, it puts all of that in its proper place where you can enjoy all of that. This morning, like Levi, we need Jesus. The greatest danger for us this morning is not that we would go off the, the far wagon of Levi. Now, remember who Levi was. Levi was a tax collector. Levi was hated more than anyone else. Raise your hand this morning if you have someone that you just dislike a little bit, that you're a little uncomfortable around. Some of you see me in my office afterwards. Everybody here has got someone that really bothers them. You don't want to spend time around. And usually that person, what? You just avoid them. Now, think of that person for a second. Are you hoping that that person just goes through hell? Are you hoping that that person just goes through severe physical punishment? Probably not for the most part. You just want to avoid that person. Levi, a tax collector, was not just someone who the religious people and other people in society would want to avoid. This is someone that they would want to see in hell, literally. Why? Because Levi had left them, left their ethnicity and sold out to the Roman government. He's the ultimate traitor. So the religious leaders would want this person punished. The secular people would want this person avoided. Yet this person is the one who Jesus comes to. This morning, we might have a hard time identifying with Levi because Levi is out there. And some of us have been out there and some of us are out there and we need to return home. But some of us this morning are more like the other people that are criticizing Levi. And who's that? The religious leaders. This morning, some of us have had way too much religion. Some of us have been Christianized to the point where there's no longer Christ. 
the greater danger for you and I today is that we would become like the religious leaders. That we'd stand back and say, well, Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing with those people? Jesus, do you know who you just added to your group? What are the religious leaders doing in Luke chapter 5? They're grumbling. These are people who have gone through every religious activity. These are people who know their Bibles better than any of you ever will. They had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy memorized. Yet they missed the whole point. They missed Jesus. This morning the question is not, are you in church and have you been in church? The question this morning is, are you with Jesus? And will you be with Jesus? A couple of weeks ago, we were in a meeting here at, at church, I don't know if it was a month ago or so, and I was really impressed. One of our members, we were talking about how to structure ourselves, business stuff, and, and the member had said, hey, what I've been trying to do, do the last couple of weeks, he said, I've just been trying to forget my previous church experiences and trying to think about what this other group of people needs. There was a lot of maturity in that statement. That person was trying to realize that, you know what, maybe my previous church experience, not necessarily has it been bad, good, whatever. It's just, that doesn't necessarily mean that has to be my future church experience. Our question is not, can we replicate our previous church experience? The question is, can we replicate Jesus? And if we replicate Jesus, there's going to be a lot of people saying, move that bus. Hopefully in about five, six, seven months, a year from now, we can have a move that bus moment right out here in the parking lot or up front. We can say, move that bus. And we can walk in and we can see at least some walls and somewhere to learn and somewhere to worship, we can have that move that bus experience right here for this building as this building is transformed from a lumberyard into a rescue hospital. But more than that, five, six, seven months from now, we don't need a move that bus experience out front here. We need a move that bus experience right here in our own hearts where we say to God, God, move that bus. And when that bus is moved, what do we see? We see transformed people that are on mission with Jesus Christ. We see people that are transformed from sinners to saints. We need to have move that bus moments in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our city. And we can have move that bus moments because of the moment that happened 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, God left the comfort of heaven. God left the gold for the cross. 2,000 years ago, God went to the cross and He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And because of that moment 2,000 years ago, the bus has been moved for all of us. And now the bus can be moved for one more, ten more, a hundred more, a thousand more, how many ever more God will help us reach. Are you ready to scream? Bus driver Bierke, move that bus.
I hope that together, not just six months from today when this place is transformed, but six years from today, 60 years from today, and six months from today, we can stand and scream, move that bus. Why? Because Jesus has transformed us and Jesus has transformed people through us. Let's say it together. Move that bus. Yes, get used to it. Because God willing, there's going to be a lot of buses moving away. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks today. We praise you for the cross. God, thank you for saving us this morning. And now, O oh Lord, we come before you and we offer ourselves to you. We ask that now, O oh Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would inspire us to be witnesses for you. God, we offer this place to you. We ask that you would transform it into a rescue hospital. And we ask that you would transform each of us into rescue doctors. God, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen.